Hello to everybody who had something crazy happen on the way home from a comedy show. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. And I know that some of you really like our intros. Some of you want to get right to the phone call. If you're looking to get right to the phone call, uh, first thing I'll ask you is please go check out BeautifulAnonymous.com to check out our new bonus content. Otherwise, skip ahead about five and a half minutes and you'll get right into the call. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to episode number 401 of Beautiful Anonymous. That's 400. And one. Okay? Not 400 anymore. 401. Uh, What a joy. What an absolute joy to be here and doing this. Uh, I want to remind everybody, Beautiful Anonymous Plus is live. This is our long-awaited bonus material that we are launching on a platform. You can find info on it right now at BeautifulAnonymous.com. Thanks to everybody who has showed up so far. There's been a, uh, a small but mighty influx of users. I was hoping for more, obviously. I'm hoping to hit that sweet bonus, hoping to hit that sweet bonus. And we're about maybe 10% of the way there in the first week. And that's fine. Uh, I don't want to belabor the point. I talked, it was such a long intro last week, so I don't want to make it super, super long this week. I do just want to remind you, beautifulanonymous.com. You can find all of our information. There is one tier where you can pay five bucks a month. And you can get extended episodes with five random questions with each caller. There's another tier where you get that, plus a follow-up call and five questions with a past caller. Classic, beautiful, anonymous caller. Come back. Uh, this this month is our old friend Sex Toys in Vegas. And at that tier, you also get once a month, we will be doing a taping from a private phone number. And you'll get sent info on when that taping is and what that phone number is. We've had a lot of people sign up at that tier and are asking about that phone number. The way it's going to work out is you'll you'll get a little audio drop in your feed at some point that says, Hey, it's coming up this week on this day and this time. Here's the number. Uh, we'll talk to you then. So it'll just show up in your feed when you're subscribed at that tier. And remember too, there are annual deals for those tiers. I'm personally a fan of the idea that the $10 tier, which uh, normally that that's 120 bucks a year, you can buy it annually for 75 bucks a year. That comes out to 625 a month. That's closer to the $5 tier than the $10 tier at that point. So thanks to everybody who's been showing up at Beautiful Anonymous Plus. You can access that info at beautifulanonymous.com. And seriously, we're gonna it's we're gonna make it so worth it for you. So please go sign up today. Thank you so much. Wanted to put a little housekeeping note out there as far as the production of the show goes. Um, please, I know people like the idea of being on Beautiful Anonymous. I love that so many people try to call. I see that there are people out there with Twitter accounts just to monitor Beautiful Anonymous calls. I'm begging you especially now that it's an independent show. It's just me and Andrea. That's that's it. It's me and the high priestess, Andrea Quinn. That's who makes the show now. Please don't call and then contact us after we speak and say, I reconsidered, don't release the call. When If anybody's ever tried to call, you know, in the course of the call-in music, there's a point at which it says, hey, hang up now if you're having doubts. And then when Andrea patches people through, 
She says, just a reminder, this is the time to hang up if you don't want to do it. We've, we've just had a few lately where people have had some really great calls and then they reach out afterwards and they go, uh, actually, don't put it out. And I'll just say this. First of all, I, I'm a reasonable guy. And I'd like to think I have a good head on my shoulders. And I understand that people get nervous. So if you really don't want us putting out your call, we won't put it out. That being said, do understand that you add just a lot of stress to my week and Andrea's week. Because then we have to scramble to make something else happen. And very often there's such good calls. So it's been, for some reason, this flares up every once in a while. So please do. If you call, do some soul searching beforehand about it. And just make sure you want to be on the show. And remember that also I've been doing this for many years and I'm pretty good at it. And very often I will, conversations will go in places that people didn't plan on them going. And that's part of the joy of this show and the fun of this show. But that being said, also, once you're in it, you're in it. So anyway, anyway, that's that. I don't want to talk too long because last week that that intro was completely epic um things to talk about for this week's episode um let's see it's a great episode the caller has a child that i have a strange connection to how's that for a weird tease how about that we we talk a lot about um parenthood and comedy and kids theater and all kinds of stuff. I, w- I will give a warning. It's not the focus of the episode. Um, there is talk about what it's like to lose a pregnancy as well. I know that that's a super sensitive thing for some people. So if it is, understand that it does come up. Um, yeah, this one goes in so many different directions. It, the There is a baby there for most of the call. And I am connected to that baby timing-wise in a very funny way. And it's fun to talk to our caller. And it's fun to talk to all of you. And I thank you so much for supporting the show and for allowing this thing to exist. Beautifulanonymous.com for info on Beautiful Anonymous. Plus, the five questions on this episode are great. Enjoy the call, everybody. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. H- Hello? 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 How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Can you hear me? I sure can. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I just was a bit thrown because I, uh, I'm right now. I'm currently uh, rocking my uh, six-month-old. Oh, congrats! Thank you, thank you. So you're in it. You're, in, of- you're in it. Oh yeah, yeah, in it fully. Like it's. Uh, I, uh, I I've always wanted to be a parent at some point in my life, but. You know, it's like people tell you, they'll, oh, you know, babies are hard. and But, you you know, it, it's like when, you know, everyone who's been through it already is like, well, it gets easier. Don't worry. It gets easier. But when you're in it, it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is your first. It is. It is my first. 
it's uh nice. it's pretty crazy but it's it's a lot of fun it's just i'm at the as i'm sure you remember like i'm at that point where she is not sleeping so i'm not yeah. sleeping <laughs> yeah and how we do how we do in feeding um pretty good i mean i chose to exclusively formula feed um oh, okay good. because okay i just i just knew like mentally wise that if i try to put pressure on myself to um to breastfeed then i knew that that would have made an additional challenge for me but uh feeding is is good now that you know when because i also chose to formula feed um and there was controversy in that, but, you know, it was my choice. Um, now, so many other family members and my husband, they can, they can feed her too. So it, it's, a, it's helpful. <laughs> well, definitely. I know there's like medically people will argue about breastfeeding. Culturally, people will argue about breastfeeding. But if you are able to take a deep breath and go, you know what? I don't think it's the path I want to go. So let's just make a firm decision. And that mm-hmm. allows it to just, this is the way it is. And now everyone can help. I think that there's yes. a lot of maturity to that. Cause I'll tell you my son, when, when he was about four months old, he started rejecting the bottle. So I had been getting up and doing the late night feedings, your 2 AMs, 3 AMs, mm-hmm. these types of things. And then all of a sudden he was rejecting the bottle and we had this oh. real sad moment of just Hallie, he won't do it. It's all you now. And it was bad. It was really bad. Um, physically and emotionally for everybody. I mean, most of all Hallie, but me just being like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I used to be able to help and now I can't help. Oh, so I think if you, if you make that firm decision and that's the decision for you, there's some benefits there. Definitely. Definitely. And I think it's funny you say he was rejecting the bottle. She, at the or same reject, time, reject, ha- yeah, going- rejecting the bottle. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny you, you say that. It, um, she was going through the four month sleep regression <laughs> while uh, also getting uh, a cold. And uh, we decided we would go uh, tent camping all at the same time. So that was, uh, so we moved. And then she was rejecting the bottle after that. And I, I was a bit worried about it. So I took her to the doctor, and they had just said, you know, she'll. Ideally, like she'll she'll start to do it again, but they, I mean the bottle is our only option, right? So we were a bit nervous, but she's back to you know, guzzling formula, and we started solids, which was very exciting. Now tell me about this tent camping, because it sounds to <laughs> me like if if there's a cold and there's a sleep regression, and I know maybe we've booked the campsite a few months out, weeks out, whatever. It I will say I remember a time. When it was like, nope, we're doing it. We're still allowed to be young and fun, and we're still doing it. And it's like you yeah. could you could argue that maybe you cancel the tent camping with all those other things going on. But I do know that feeling of like, <laughs> God damn it, we still get to have fun sometimes too, don't we? Was it one of those? Exactly. Well, we had so my husband and um, his sister and her his sister's boyfriend and my husband's brother. So all of us decided we were going to go. And actually she had reached out to us two weeks prior being like, now I know you have a four month old, but would you guys be down to go camping? And at the time everything was fine. She was sleeping really well. And we had talked about it very seriously. What are the logistics? What is it going to look like? And, uh, 
yeah, uh, we decided, yeah, let's do it. Why not? And she's, it's what we like to do. We've always been big campers. And so we thought, well, let's just give it a whirl. I mean, worst case scenario, we go for one night and we leave. Um, but she hadn't had a cold yet. The cold came a little bit after, but she got the regression. We didn't know if she was in a sleep regression. I didn't even know what that was, really. Um, <laughs> we got there. And, uh, yeah, she outright refused sleeping. I was the only one that could rock her to sleep at that point. And my back, like, I understand now why people have kids really young because my back was shot. It was so bad. Um, but it was fun. We took her on a canoe, and mm. she loved the trees, and we went hiking. Um, but, yeah, it, none of us. We got 45 minutes of sleep the first night. And then my husband and I both <laughs> had separate meltdowns about leaving. And then we both decided, came together. Actually, it's so funny. This quote, I tell everyone this quote. My husband goes, come on, we got to pull together. She's 13 pounds and I'm a man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we toughed it out and I'm glad we did. Well, that's very good. And how how do we feel bringing a four-month-old into the world, being that the world is what it is? How are we feeling these days? Oh, well, yeah, it's bleak. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's interesting. It, it's, an, it's a loaded question, right? Because there's so much good in the world, but there's also so much horrible happening constantly. Um, and I mean, I, I just hope that I can, my husband and I can, can raise a child that also wants to be a part of the good, because I think that that's what's missing, right? There's just needs to be, I mean, you know, there's so many people that have children and I'm such a, I took my time on purpose. I went to therapy for eight, nine years before I decided that I would have children because I wanted to make sure that I was taking good care of myself so that I could set her up the best way possible. And and I think that, I, I hope anyway, that um, we can raise somebody that can bring a little joy, a little light, maybe, I mean, no pressure to her. I mean, you know, she can do whatever she wants, but you know, at least someone who's a good person, um, that would be the the best thing, the best outcome. Good answer. Quality answer. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I do have to say something though. Um, so funny story, um, a little over six, no, 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 not even six months ago, almost six months ago. Um, you were in Toronto, Canada, doing a stand-up show at Comedy Bar, correct? Yeah, Comedy Bar, their new that new location that's kind of in a more far-flung corner of town. <laughs> that's right. You did mention that. Well, I was at that show. Oh, nice. And I happened to be the very pregnant woman at that show. Oh. And did we did did we interact from the stage? Sure did. And we created a safe word. In case I went into labor because I, I was almost this. 38 weeks. And the safe word was Niagara Falls. And about an hour and a half after that show, 
driving away from Comedy Bar, my water did, in fact, break. I remember this. I remember joking that, yes, that you could go into labor during the show. And I think you or your partner sent me a message saying, like, hey, no bullshit. It happened on the way home. That's, it might have been my friend. I don't know who, but yes, I think somebody did. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It was funny. We kept joking. And actually, I should have known. Like, I was getting pretty, I was getting contractions that day. But, I mean, I'd never had a baby, so I didn't know. But, yeah, I, uh, I, I, yeah, walked out of the bar and said goodbye to my friend. And my husband was in the passenger seat and yeah, literally pulling out three, two, one and hello waterfall of Niagara Falls. And she was born the next day. (laughs) So how long after hearing me tell jokes, would you say that your water broke? Like, can you break it? Was it half an hour? Was it 10 minutes? How, how close are we talking here? Yeah. So the show ended and then we, I think you had a second show. So we went to the early show. You had a second show. Then um, my husband and friend wanted to have a drink. So they stayed and had a beer. And um, then I'm pretty sure your show let out. Then we left and then we got in the car. So probably close to 11. And I think your first show might've been at 7 PM. So mm-hmm. like three hours, two hours. Okay. Okay. So your kid yeah. was welcomed into <laughs> the world with my, uh, Trademark brand of sometimes funny, sometimes not self-deprecation. <laughs> well, it was a really great show. I think she was just she really wanted to be a part of it. I think is what happened. So thank you, there. I appreciate it. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Down to you. So I appreciate. I was done being pregnant. So thank you very much. <laughs> Happy to help speed things along there. Happy to help speed things along. Absolutely. That's incredible. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. I would like to think that someday you will tell your kid that story and she'll turn around and go, who? And you'll be like, yeah, <laughs> there was a brief stretch there where he was a uh, underground comedy guy. And now there's no need for you to know about him. <laughs> no, I will happily tell. I will happily tell the story. I mean, I tell everyone the story. Um, and. And it's it's epic. I, I if there's any way that could have happened for me, it would have been that. And I'm glad it did because it was it was really silly. But um, I mean, she'll if, if hey, if beautiful anonymous is around when she's able to understand that story, great. Then she'll know exactly who you are because I listen to the show all the time. So there we go. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Well, congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a. It's it's wild. It's it's a lot of work, but it and it's. I mean, I'm on top of a new baby. I'm in school. I'm a, a psychotherapy student, so I'm Currently. in my fourth year. Currently, yeah, I didn't take a break. It's a five year program, and I'm in fourth year. I'm starting to see clients, and I was like, I just I want to finish. So I am uh, I am doing the double whammy of taking care of her, and I'm finishing up my schooling and seeing clients and yeah it's a busy schedule but I'm really how does it. that work do you do a lot of remote classes yeah so actually i started the program when covid uh, began so i was you know, before i 
um, went, started going to school. I was actually doing sketch comedy in Toronto for a long time and with my best friends that I went to theater school with. And we were doing that for a good five, six years um, while I was working in bars and restaurants and that kind of thing. Um, and then COVID hit. And of course, that both stopped my serving as well as comedy Wait. for a little while. Hold on one second. Um, Hold on. Just pause one second. Yeah? Did you move your phone or something or plug in headphones or something like that? I I did just because I am feeding. One second. I'm just going to. Is that better? It is. It is. I'm just glad you're not. Okay. Yeah, we could tell something was going on. Okay. So you were saying. So... Sorry about that. Oh, all good. All good. You're going to apologize to me over my phone call podcast when we're talking about feeding a human child, <laughs> offering a child sustenance. I apologize I to apologize. the baby. I apologize to the baby. But damn it, we need good audio. You're, no, you're absolutely correct. And it's her fault. We'll blame her. Um, no, you're a so... psychotherapist. Don't. <laughs> Don't. You know what will happen. You know how much this Oh, can I do. It's horrible. <laughs> um I don't know what I was saying though. Now I'm. Uh, You're telling me how you started during COVID and remote classes. Oh yeah. And... Yeah. So I yeah. So I um I, yeah I was doing comedy and then of course those things stopped. So I had always been on the fence about going into some sort of social work or psychotherapy or something like that because I I myself have been in therapy as I said for quite some time. Big big uh, advocate for it. And my own therapist said to me like, Hey, why don't you think about doing that so i applied and uh, i sent in like an essay and there was an interview process and lo and behold i got in and uh so i started it and i started it during covid so the whole program was online um and now i would say the majority of the classes are all online so i can do it from home and then there are certain workshops over the weekends that i then go into the actual school but the majority is all online and then i see clients virtually and then I see some clients in person on uh, on weekends. But yeah, it's a great, it's great, it's useful. Now that I'm a parent, I can't imagine how tired you are, though. You must be exhausted. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. And and like you said, it's funny you say, um, "Don't do that." You're a psychotherapist. Yes, uh, when in regards to like or my my daughter, whatever. We'll bleep um, it. It doesn't. It's all good. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, um, it's true. Like the 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 especially this year, the content that we're learning about is all around attachment and um, the like. What that can do for the bond between caregiver and child, and um, it, it's a, a lot to read and understand while simultaneously doing it um, and trying not to judge myself and trying to remember that, you know, it's, it, it's what we say, it's the good enough parent, you, you are good enough. And as long as your baby is happy and loved, that is good enough and you can't be perfect. But it's hard to remember that as I'm, you know, I'm sure many people listening or yourself too, that like, it's not an easy thing to remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I can't, I mean, I, I remember four months. I remember feeling like I was drowning. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you're launching a new career while going to school at the same time. It's wild. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And you said you used to yeah. do comedy yeah, too. Yeah, that that's on the back burner, right? Yeah, um, a little bit actually. I'm planning on writing. <laughs> I'm planning on writing a show for Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival. Um, that's in March, so there's time. And it's usually only a 30 minute set, so it's not too bad. But I, I just want to keep. I want to keep that part because I love it. It's such a passion of mine, and I've done it for so long. And I went to theater school, and before theater school, I was always performing. So. I don't ever want to lose that, but I don't oh know goodness. how serious, how serious I'll take comedy in terms of, you know, um, performing as much as we used to do, but I definitely want to, you know, keep it. <laughs> but you, yeah, I'm, I'm have you of, always been one of these people who never needs to sleep? Have you always been someone who's like, let's go. Come on. We only get so many days. Let's make the most of them. Yes. My therapist would say that that's, that I'm constantly in survival mode, but <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm certainly someone, yeah, that is always on the go. When I was a kid, um, I got my first job when I was, I was seven or eight and I was delivering newspaper. Um, so I'd get up at like 6am and deliver newspaper. And then once I hit, I kept that job for so long. And then I had that job along with once I was able worked at a grocery store and then I I kid you not by the time I was 15 I had like four jobs at once while in high school and in a play it's yeah <laughs> so this is your thing this is this is yeah. not news to anyone or no one who knows you and I'm sitting here like you have a four-month-old and you're still in school and still pursuing hobby comedy on the side and 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 starting up a practice while in school whereas the people who know you are like yeah, what what else is new? What else is new? pretty much? And it's funny because my husband is someone who he he's very grounding, so he's a really good person for me because he is someone who likes to have quiet days and days where he sits and does nothing, and that to me is in, insanity. But he is so useful in reminding me that you know you can slow down, you can slow down, but. I do have a hard time doing that. It's not easy yeah. for me to slow down. What's it like being in therapy, which you've mentioned, you said the things your doctor mm-hmm. would say about you while studying it and learning the tricks of the trade and the ins and outs. Is it is it exposing mm-hmm. your own therapy or is it making you believe in it more? Is it changing your relationship with it in any way? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah, well, so it of course. Um, I noticed, so when I first started, um, in school in first year, I was so in my head in my own therapy because I was learning so much about what my therapist was doing. So I would sometimes like, for example, there is something that can, can happen. It doesn't always happen, but can sometimes happen for clients or people who are in therapy, um, that maybe don't want to share something too deep, um, but then we'll do so at the very end of a session, and we call that an exit line um, because it's just too—it's too scary to say, and, and they, in some ways, unconsciously don't want the therapist to actually get into it. So they do it at the very end of a session so that 
it doesn't get talked about. Um, but it's the therapist's job to remember that that was something big and to maybe bring it up the next session. Um, or maybe not. It all depends. But I would find myself doing that in my own therapy and I'd call myself out <laughs> and my own therapist would laugh and be like, you can take, just be here with me. Like you can you just be here. It's all good. But yeah, stuff like that. It does make it like, uh, you know, I, I, I can, or I, after the session, I'll think like, oh my gosh, what, I wonder what my therapist in her case notes, I wonder what she's going to write about or, you know, <laughs> the, my own defense mechanisms. I can yeah. feel them coming up and I go, oh my gosh, she's for sure writing about that. But that's yeah, funny. So it's exposing less about therapy and more. You're like, oh, my bullshit. I'm starting to see some of my, <laughs> I, I'm reading about things that patients will often do as habits and I do them. Yes. Yeah. And things that, um, things that are also like, you know, I always knew that, of course, the joking and comedy and making light of dark situations was always a coping mechanism of my own. Um, but I, and my therapist has always called me out on it, but I now see it in my own clients. And it's interesting to, I mean, I, I never call them out, but I sort of just clock it and I go, that's gotta be, there's something there, right? When someone laughs at something that is very sad. I remember my therapist in the early days of therapy saying to me, I said something really dark about my family and I laughed and she did not laugh. And she just said, that's really sad. And I looked at her and I went, oh, and I didn't even realize simply because it was my reality at the time that that was sad. And I, I noticed it with my own clients and, um, it's a, it's a being, you know, joking about something is such a, a wonderful and useful coping mechanism, but one that's so common and often shows a lot of the darkness in, in some people's lives or, or the pain, right? Yeah. Absolutely. As someone who's dwelled in the comedy world for decades now. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. You you know for, you know too well with that the the joking and the making light of darkness. <laughs> yeah, the longer I go, the more I realize I think all the great comedy either seems to be about dealing with pain or when comedy is in dark periods, which I would argue it is now it becomes something mm. that dishes out pain. It becomes the bullying device. Um, mm. But a lot of it is about dealing dealing with pain, personal and societal. Yeah, yeah. Look at us, yeah. how profound. How profound can we get? Let's pause. How profound can we get? On its most pretentious days, that's always the question with Beautiful Anonymous, isn't it? Not really aiming for profound, just aiming for real. Anyway, we've got some ads. We'll be right back. It's the holiday season. You're constantly cooking and doing dishes and hosting people, right? And maybe you're looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to help you out on those jam-packed days, maybe to fuel you personally, maybe to help in those situations where you feel like you've just been serving everybody else. Well, guess what? So happy to tell you about Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They can help you eat really well for breakfast, lunch, dinner, 
They've got chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. It'll save you time. It'll help you stay on track with a healthy, healthy lifestyle while tackling your holiday to-do list. And guess what? I just want to let you know I have eaten a bunch of Factor meals, and they are great. This idea of having ready-to-eat meals, I know you think of that as one thing. Now imagine that taken to the apex of quality, and that's what Factor is. Simple as that. And you can tell this is not on script. This is not uh, the talking points, right? We can get back to the talking points, and we will. But I'm going to let you know. I've personally tried it, and they are the high-end version of this concept in such a huge way. You can go ahead and cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season with Factor. Skip all the meal planning, the grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, cleaning, Get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat them up and enjoy. There's high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. You can treat yourself right now. There's over 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week. They support a healthy lifestyle. They meet your meal preferences. Calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, Wholesome options out there. Also, there's calorie-conscious options over the holidays, right? We all know that maybe you're going to go big with the family and have a bunch of desserts that you don't usually have, get your metabolism a little thrown off. You can get back on track with some of these calorie-smart meals. They're dietitian approved 550 calories or less per, per serving. The Protein Plus meals have 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And it's not just dinner, okay, that you can have extra convenience any time of day. There's add-ons, 55-plus add-ons. You can suit various preferences and tastes. We're talking about quick breakfast items, lunch-to-go, grab-and-go snacks, cold-pressed juices. Those are very good. I've had a bunch of those. Shakes, smoothies. You can rest assured that with Factor, you're making a sustainable choice. Factor offsets 100% of delivery emissions and sources 100% renewable electricity for production sites and offices. That's very cool. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash beautiful50. Use the code beautiful50 to get 50% off. That's code beautiful50 at factormeals.com slash beautiful50 to get 50% off. And as I mentioned, I have had a bunch of the meals. They are legit, really good They're really, really good. Whatever you have in your head right now, they're the best version of it. Go ahead and enjoy factormeals.com slash beautiful50 to get 50% off. Holidays are hectic. Not everything always goes as planned. Sometimes you have people who live far away from you. I know my parents spend the holidays and, and most of the year at this point in Florida. It's really far from me. And I miss them. And I miss them. And it's hard to get to them. But one thing that makes it easy is that they have an Aura Frame and I have the Aura Frame app. So I can upload photos to their digital frame and right there in their living room, they see little snapshots of my life. They get to see their grandkid. They get to react to it. It's a beautiful connecting thing between my family and I. And it has been for years. And that's very real. It's so easy to use. It's an easy way to share photos. You keep everybody up to date on your holiday shenanigans. Add members to the frame and you and your family can collaborate on sending photos to each other, to all the ones you love. It works through a very super super easy app. I am often confused by apps. This one, even I was able to figure it out very, very quickly. Visit AuraFrames.com today. Get $30 off their best-selling frames with the code BEAUTIFUL. 
These aura frames sell out quickly, so get yours before they're gone. They are at AURAframes.com with the promo code. Beautiful. I've been using one for years. I love it. My family loves it. Really, really great product. It's not a joke. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to our advertisers who helped this show exist. Now let's get back to the phone call. Look at us. How profound. How profound can we get? (laughs) Oh, so profound. We're smart people, you and I. Nah, I'm, I just have glasses. I'm not that smart. I'm well, just, I'm reasonable. People with glasses are smart. I almost went to school for social work last year, and I will say, yeah, I was really. I've landed in a place where I'm now working for a, a mental health nonprofit, and I like it. It's a better option for me. But I'll tell you, part of the process of applying to grad school was that. I had to get my transcripts from Rutgers. Now I was applying at Rutgers. Mm. So I was like, maybe you could just like internally transfer. I don't think I need to look at the transcripts. Maybe just do that. And they said, no, for whatever reason, it was you have to get the hard copy, scan it, send it back to us. That's just how it goes. So I had to look at my college transcripts. And I was like, I thought I was an okay, smart person. All self-deprecation aside, I'm like, how did I get a C in a class called Dinosaurs? How did I do that? <laughs> How did I do that? There's this one class where I always remembered this this movie that we watched. Actually, in the first ever episode of Beautiful Anonymous, I started yelling about this movie called Akiru. And it was this movie that was really life-changing for me. And it's all about how this person deals with a diagnosis of a disease that they know is, is terminal and how they start living life in the window between the diagnosis and their death. And it was life changing for me. I got to see in that class. I'm like, I remember. Oh, no. I, that's one of the ones I remember fondly. I got to see in everything. How did I do? I, <laughs> how was I just like a, a middling to just below average student so consistently? So consistently. Uh, I get it. I, I, I went to theater school and there were so many classes that I should have been acing, and I did not. I hated, I hated school. I just went because I knew I had to get a degree. So I went to theater school because I love theater, but I hear you. Like I, I was such a bad student. I hated school and now I love school, but yeah, there's some, I think I had a class that was like a woman's studies class, but it was about like, like it was simply about storytelling and you write your own story about feminism and empowerment and i i don't know i think i got like a i think i just passed the class and it was creative and it was supposed to be easy but i get it dinosaurs women's studies you know oof, oof. and now you went to <laughs> theater school and then did comedy so were you a were you an artist professionally yeah yeah i mean i i got paid for it um for for quite some time uh i did when i graduated i um, did some like kids musical stuff for a while and toured with this uh, company in in Toronto and then uh, mostly most and I did some like you know short like plays and and those kinds of things but mostly the the stuff I really enjoyed was when we started writing sketch and musical comedy and um, we we did we did tour like my my group the, the my two best friends that I went to school with we. The three of us um, worked. We worked our our asses off. Like we really 
hustled for a good long while, um, writing new show every month. Um, we performed at Comedy Bar, the one that's actually at Aldington and Bloor. Um, we performed there every single week. We or month rather, we did a brand new show. It's no joke. Comedy uh, Bar like, is a real venue. That's that's a real thing. And to, for anybody listening who's not familiar, too, Toronto has a real thriving comedy scene, and Canada in general. I think maybe a lot of Americans might not realize that Canadian comedy in general is a, I would say, a bigger part of the pulse of American comedy than people realize, if only because there's huge, the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal and Toronto and now even mm-hmm. Vancouver, those are really big deal festivals in the comedy world. So you're not, when you're like, yeah, we did a monthly show at Comedy Bar, like, that's not a joke. And I, he, I artist to mm-hmm. artist, I see you. That's not a joke. Oh, thanks. It, yeah, it was, it was hard work, but it was so much fun. And we hustled hard and then, we would do the sketch comedy festival every year. And then the money that we would make from our monthly shows, we just kept collecting it. And then we would apply to festivals in the States. So we went to the women comedy festival in Boston and we went to San Fran sketch fest and Portland sketch fest. These are, those are real. This is real. Yeah. It was fun. It was really fun. And can I ask how old you are? Yeah, I am 32. Oh, so much younger than I was when Cal was born. I was 39. But mm, a similar mm-hmm. a similar thing of out there, someone known for hustling, someone known for not slowing down, pour a lot of energy relentlessly into your creativity, get a little older, have a kiddo, start mm. thinking about social work slash therapy, and maybe letting comedy be on the back burner. I mean, that's that's uh, very, very much mirrors what the last few years have been for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. Yeah. It's, it does sound a lot like your story and, and what you've, uh, what you, but I mean, I mean, really, you're still working as a comedian, though. I mean, you're still doing stand up quite, quite often, it seems. Am I wrong? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm slowing down. I, I don't have, Okay. Well, I don't have any out-of-town shows on my calendar between now for at least seven or eight weeks, and that's the longest gap I've given myself in about 10 years. Mm. Yeah. Wow, wow. And and every time I scale back that side of my life, I think I'm going to feel bad and like I'm admitting defeat, and every time Mm. I wind up feeling mentally healthier. That tells Good. Me I was just going to ask right. you how how it. I was going to ask you how it feels to to be doing that. Like what what goes on for you? Because yeah, there, I, I can imagine sometimes there there might be some guilt, but I'm glad to hear that there isn't. That's great. It's not even guilt. It's like this relentless self questioning, and this sort mm. of like I've been relatively successful, but why am I giving up? You know. But then yeah. I, th- I realized, yeah. well, I'm the only one labeling it as giving up, and I actually had this friend of mine, another comedian guy named Dave Ross and and we're friends but we're not the tightest of friends and he and I was talking about it with him one night and he just looked at me and he was like dude you're the kind of guy that's done enough that I look at you and I go if you want to stop doing it you've earned the right like I don't think anybody's going to mm-hmm. judge you if you want to slow down you've earned that right and I I found it very freeing and I don't, I don't think I ever thanked Dave for that. So a public thank you to Dave mm-hmm. Ross for reminding me that I'm allowed to slow down. And 
my level of self-respect doesn't need to change. Now, how, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm 43 and I was 39 when Cal was born. So that's a different phase of life. I had just hosted a TV show that got canceled. That's like a, that's like a big peak and valley as an artist. You're 32, definitely more towards the beginning to middle of stuff by most people's standards. So I'm wondering how you're feeling in terms of the same question. Yeah, I, well, in the beginning, I, like, because of COVID and we we, had, we paused, um, it had me questioning a lot of what am I doing and do I love this still and what, is it fulfilling? Um, and yes, all the answer is yes, but I also knew that, I didn't want to work in bars anymore. I was so sick mm-hmm. of working in restaurants. Like, I, I kid you not. I was hitting a point where I would serve a table and I was, I'm, I'm a really nice person, I think. And I was not nice to people. I was really, really mean to people who were just like, they would ask for water. That is a bare minimum. And it is my job. And I would get mad at them. So I knew it was time for me to reassess that because I, I couldn't do it anymore. And so as much as I am so happy that I'm in this new phase and I have, you know, this year and then one more full year of this program until I'm finished, um, I think I was a bit bummed out because the ending of the comedy stuff wasn't really my choice. COVID sort of, did that for me mm-hmm. and as much as that's good i mean i think you know things happen as they happen and you know I, i'm looking back now four years later i mean i we still did comedy a bit but not to the extent but i think that had it been of my own i'm deciding that this is done i would have felt a bit different but instead it just sort of like faded away instead of you know it just being like a an active choice did you try to do any of the Zoom shows? Any of the COVID era? Yeah. Zoom? Explain to our audience, because I don't want, I like talking to you because I, I'm someone who's been through it, but I don't want to just ramble about myself. But you can explain to our audience what it was like when comedians were trying to oh. do Zoom shows. Explain how that felt. <laughs> explain how it felt so, to do comedy on Zoom so in 2020 and 2021. It was so painful and so cringy. Like the idea that and they would like unmute yourself if you want to laugh, but like don't do that. Yes, it was so horrible and so like rigid, and it, it felt like you were performing to a wall. And then we would pause for laughter at certain places that we knew we would get laughter, but you couldn't hear it. It was all in our own heads and just so forced and strange and but also kind of funny like it was also so funny to be in a living room with like a ring light and a prop and like what are we doing here it was so strange but I mean it was all we had for a while um and in Canada even longer because we didn't open the bars in Toronto to do shows for a lot longer than I think some of the places in your neck of the woods but yeah, it was it was brutal. <laughs> it was not fun. Yeah. 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 What an interesting uh what an interesting stretch of life. 
And and oh. you and your, I think you've said husband, right? Partner, mm-hmm. husband? Yep. Did you and your husband, husband yeah. sit down and say, we want to have a kid someday, no time like the present, let's go for it? Or was it a little bit more something life handed to you? Or did you map it out? Well, um, we definitely were trying. Um, he and I had at length many, many long conversations about what our future would look like and how we would, you know, in an ideal world, what that would look like. Um, and we had got married uh, in October of 2021. And then we decided, let's pull the goalie. So we did. Um, and, uh, and then I very quickly at that time, I got pregnant. Um, then unfortunately we had a miscarriage, uh, very early on. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was really uh, shitty because, you know, it was like this exciting thing. And we told people right away because we were so excited. And I mean, I think, you know, people should, you know, miscarriage is so unfortunately common. Um, so then after that we took some time and then it, it was very clear to us that it, this was something that we really, really wanted because with losing that pregnancy, we, um, we knew we wanted to, to really lean in and, and go for it. So, uh, we started actively like tracking and trying and it took a long time. It took almost a year after that to be successful with, um, who, you know, now we have our daughter. Um, but yeah, it was quite a, quite a journey quite a and scary too like after having a loss and then trying again and then and then getting pregnant again and then it was just a lot of just you know bracing ourselves and I didn't you know I tried not to get my hopes up even far along in the pregnancy I'm like I'm talking third trimester and I was like well you still never know like I was so hesitant to get excited um sucks um but it was just the way that i was protecting myself i think through the whole thing and i'm sure there's many people who can relate and even even my husband like he and i when we found out we were pregnant the second time we uh we both sort of looked at each other like okay okay like (laughs) processing it was really hard the idea that this is happening again but is it happening like it was yeah it was it was weird it was really weird yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, it's, it's brutal. It's one of them. Uh, I feel like when miscarriages are a brutal thing that most people don't understand how brutal they are until mm-hmm. you go through them. And they are also one of the things that we just, as a society choose to not talk about as much as we should, which only makes it yep. more difficult. So much love to yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I remember when it happened, it was sucked. It was New Year's Day of all. I mean, it doesn't matter what day it happens, but it just so happened to be New Year's Day. And I had to go to the hospital. And my husband had COVID at the time. Oh, he just tested po- positive for COVID. I had to go to the hospital alone. Oh, and geez. then they had told me, I, unfortunately, you're, you're having a miscarriage. And I, And then the doctor looked at me and she said, this happens. This isn't your fault. This happens. It's one in four women. At least that was the statistic she told me. It could be different. Um, but the 
that's that's it, it happens and and I'm sorry and um and then it was sort of like I I, I couldn't believe that I didn't know like I felt kind of naive right like I I knew that you know pregnancies sometimes end in loss and but I at the time was just so like taken aback that this was happening to me and that he's saying that this is common and I was so mad almost at the why weren't we taught this in school like why is this not talked about why are what and then and then like I had experienced this miscarriage and I was so open about it with our friends and our family and I I don't shy away from talking about it because I think it's so important and and the amount of people then who share with me that they've had them too I go well why aren't we talking about this like if like if you have a room of 20 women that's like half the women like it's more than half like it's it's crazy it's it's nuts that we're not talking about this and sharing our stories and making this more of a conversation because it did feel so lonely and isolating and it felt in some ways like because there's so much shame around it too right the is this my fault what did I do wrong when it's absolutely never ever anyone's fault it's it it does just happen, but it it is so shitty that we're not talking about it. Why do you think it is that we don't? I, it, some of it feels like the sadness of it. Maybe people want to keep private or respect the potential privacy of it. It also feels like on some level, and I don't think I'm being like a white knight here or trying to be woke, on some level, it does seem like it's um, it's it's related to this old school, outdated attitude of of failing at pregnancy somehow mm-hmm. represents failing at the purpose of being a parent, and specifically for women carrying babies failing at the mm-hmm. purpose of delivering the baby almost you know like there there's an old school misogynist feeling to it and it feels mm-hmm. to me like we've really kind of vocally rejected that idea that women raise the babies and run the houses like that's a thing that i think we have progressed from and i mean not 100% there are still I mean, there's a lot of people who make a lot of money shouting otherwise into the internet and riling people up and these old school misogynists. But in general, we've shifted very far. But it feels like it is this very clear-cut line back to this idea that that a woman should feel shame about a miscarriage in particular in a way that, like Mm -hmm. you said, it's not anyone's fault. It happens all the time. And mm-hmm. yet we make it happen behind closed doors and in private and with shame attached to it. It's really, yeah. really dark. It is. I think it's true in any sort of, I, I wonder too, if it has anything to do with just like the sensitivity around it being like a child loss. Like that tends to be yeah. such a taboo topic, right? We can't talk about that. We can't talk about it, but Again, it's like, and I don't know, like, if other people would agree, in my experience with this, I wanted to talk about it. Like, I wanted to talk about it, and I wanted people to ask me about it. And yet, 
everyone was so afraid to talk to me about it and avoided it, avoided the conversation. When really, I think what was so useful to me was as I was processing, even for my husband, I mean, men like two within, you know, the, the dynamic, you know, if it is a, a man and a woman who, in our situation, who went through this loss together, it, you know, it, it was his loss too. And yet, you know, it was, it was interesting. One day he said, it was, I don't know, maybe a couple of days, three or four days after the miscarriage and we were at home and uh, he looked at me and he said, is it okay that I'm starting to feel a bit better? And I was like, yes, of course. Like it, we're going to go through this grieving process in our own way, but to deny the fact that he was also grieving, you know, this possibility and yes, it happened to my body and that was in and of itself its own traumatic thing. But yeah, it's such a weird topic, right? This thing that is so, uh, it's so painful, but yet it brings so many people together, right? Like as much as it's horrible, it's like such a, so many people can say like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. I've same. I've been there or know someone who has. I got to say, hearing the phrasing of that question, what a, what a good partner moment. Is it okay that I'm starting mm-hmm. to feel better? To both bring it up of like, mm-hmm. hey, I want to be honest. I'm starting to feel better. And like, I need to let you know that because I know you might not be. And I know mm-hmm. that you're the one who's experiencing not just the emotional side of this, but the physical side of it too, the hormonal side of it too. Is it all right that I'm feeling better? What a good partner moment. I love it. And I think you can hear it in my voice. That is something I'm pointing out as a partner who has not always been that thoughtful. As somebody who drops the ball. And look, I'm sure this guy drops the ball sometimes too. But I am struck at the thoughtful phrasing of that question. Kudos to you. I'm going to steal that. I, as a partner, am going to steal that. Hey, here's how I'm feeling. Is that all right? It feels what a smart way to approach communication. These thoughtful Canadians. Anyway, we'll be right back. The game has changed for me because I am now addicted to cheeky maiden soap. And you could tell I'm not even looking at the script at this point. I saw that it came up and it's time to advertise cheeky maiden. I can tell you I'm now using cheeky maiden soap. Beard oil, chapstick, there's lotions, laundry detergent. They have so much good stuff. It's so good. Okay? There's a lot of reasons to go with Cheeky Maiden soap. First of all, they are a natural soap, not industrially made. So this means we've got organic ingredients in there. Plant oils, essential oils, herbs. You're avoiding synthetic chemicals. All the potential skin irritants that are found In industrial soaps, you don't have to worry about them. These natural soaps are gentler on the skin compared to those industrial soaps, and they don't strip away your skin's natural oils. They don't cause all that dryness and irritation. They have moisturizing properties. Okay, They're very nourishing. And on top of that, one of the things that I'm most excited about is that you have to keep in mind when you use synthetic products and they go down your drains, that means they're going into your water table. They're going into the environment. They're going into the nearest waterways. There's impact there. So if you use natural soaps that are biodegradable and eco-friendly, 
you're helping aquatic life. You're helping to avoid polluting local water sources. It's really, really such a, a good company. And on top of that, keep in mind, these soaps smell good. I have a whole bunch of different flavors, and they're all good. They smell good. Those essential oils are for real. The fragrance is for real. Okay? Nothing synthetic about that. Also, a lot of the Cheeky Maiden products, these natural soaps, handmade by artisans. There's people taking pride in this. These are not being shot off of an assembly line. This is, this is people putting effort into this. Also, when you really get into it, customizability. You can choose specific ingredients or scents that suit your preferences and skin type. And you can be assured, none of these products that you get from Cheeky Maiden are tested on animals. Okay, There's ethical values. They promote animal welfare. And there's all kinds of things. Especially if you're somebody out there and you have acne, eczema, sensitive skin. Really do look into Cheeky Maiden. Their products are incredible. I've been using them myself for a while now. And I'm blown away. I will never go back. I just won't. I'll be using Cheeky Maiden from now until the end of time. Overall, choosing natural soap benefits your skin, contributes to a healthier environment, supports ethical practices in the soap-making industry. Nothing wrong with any of that. Please visit www.cheekymaidensoap.com. Use the code BEAUTIFUL15 for 15% off your next order. That's cheekymaidensoap.com. The code is BEAUTIFUL15. The holidays are rough. We're all coming up on it now. A lot of us live in parts of the world where it's dark by 4.30 p.m. now. And we have all this, these expressions of cheer around us. Lights and decorations and songs playing everywhere you go. Well, what if you're not feeling cheery? What if you're feeling drained? What if you're feeling stressed? Luckily, you can think about the gift of therapy from Talkspace. Talkspace offers both therapy and psychiatry from the comfort of a phone. You can reach your provider at any time. It's like having a mental health professional in your pocket. And I think that's so cool. I think of what it was like decades ago when I first started seeking out help when it came to mental health. And it felt like a hidden thing. felt like a thing that was such an uphill battle to even talk about. And now you got Talkspace making it so simple from the device you already have it's I, you can hear I'm I'm blown away at how far this conversation has come, and also let's keep in mind I know money's tight this time of year. You got to buy gifts for people. There's travel expenses. Luckily, Talkspace is in network with most insurance plans, so you'll only pay a small copay. During all the stress and expectations of the holidays, therapy can be a huge help, but we all know it can be hard to get an in-person appointment around. Now, people are slammed. Right? It's you start hearing. That it's, you're, oh, I'm, we're not, we don't have any openings until January, February. Well, guess what? Luckily, Talkspace has made getting you the help you need easy and affordable. You can access your provider from the comfort of your device, which means mental health care on your schedule. Talkspace gets you the support you need when you need it. And, and nobody needs more expenses right now. I keep reiterating this. Insurance covers it. Most insurances cover Talkspace. Many employers cover Talkspace. Check your coverage. See if you can get it for only the cost of the insurance copay. Sometimes you can even get it for free. Check it out. And it's okay if the holidays aren't so cheery. I'm picking up on the fact that they are stressful for a lot of people this year. You're not alone in that, okay? Days are short. Family issues come up and come to a head. 
online therapy with Talkspace, it can help you feel better and it can give you the tools you need to navigate this time of year with your mental health supported. With Talkspace, you don't have to wait to get an appointment or put in travel time on it. You can just get going. You can sign up online with Talkspace. You can get a personalized match with a provider right for you. Typically, that happens within 48 hours. You can send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. And they can also help with specific challenges. It's the number one online therapy platform. So there's licensed therapists in over 150 specialties. That includes anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and a lot more. Once again, it's affordable. It's in network with most major insurance plans. You only have to pay a copay. And as a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful, get $80 off your first month, and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Thank you once again to all of our advertisers. Now let's finish the phone call. Is it all right that I'm feeling better? What a good partner moment. What a good partner. Yeah. Instead of just all of a sudden you turn around and he's chuckling at memes on Instagram again and you go, what the fuck? You know, to check in and go, I think, mm -hmm. I think I'm starting to heal up a little bit and I want to make sure that's cool. What a nice what a nice way to recognize what's happening for both parties and, and check in and make sure that you are on the same page about taking those steps. That must've made you really feel like you had gotten a good partner in your corner on that one. Oh yeah. I mean, he's very considerate and very thoughtful and someone who, as I said, you know, earlier is like, he's a very grounding human being for me. Um, you know, our backgrounds are very different and, and he's someone who just, yeah, he's got such a solid ability to like, look at the big picture in a lot of ways, even now as we're in the thick of it of like, he's at work right now, he's a teacher and, you know, he comes home and he's immediately present and very active and in, in the, in parenting. And it's such a, such a good thing. I mean, I, you know, I, as I said, I waited a long time, you know, a long time, 32, not that long, but for some people, but for me, it, it, I wanted to be very sure that I was with somebody who was going to support me in a lot of these, you know, life bullshits, if you will. And he certainly is one of those, one of the good ones. That's cool. That's cool. Now, mm -hmm. can I go back to a topic that is less serious but that I'm really curious about. Yeah. You'd mentioned that you had done some children's theater coming out of theater school. <laughs> yeah. That's maybe the hardest type of theater. It's very yeah. unappreciated. It's notoriously not pay. You know, there are a lot of gigs that don't pay that well. I know I was just in, my brother lives in Philadelphia and I was recently there with Hallie and Cal and we had some time to kill before my brother and my nephew were free. And we went to this local park. It was a really cool park with this giant old school wooden slide. It was really awesome. But partway through the day, these people came up and they said, oh, we're with this theater group. And I'm going to be putting on a show right over there. And just in the middle of the park, no stage, just next to a tree, 
all of a sudden these people have on bird costumes and there's a puppet <laughs> and there's a man with a guitar and there's a bunch of toddlers wandering over and sitting down. And I'm like, man, I've done some tough shows, but I can't imagine that dressing up as a bird in a public park and splitting it with a cast of five is like, I, I don't think you're a millionaire at that point. Uh, and this seems so hard. These are toddlers in a park, no chairs, nothing. Like you just wrangle them and you go. Children's theater is so fucking hard. These sound and like the chuckles right. of someone who's had your versions of these stories. Yes. Well, and you're absolutely right. It pays like shit. So it's like, it seems like it pays work. you like maybe you cover your whole dinner money sometimes. <laughs> maybe. Well, it's funny because I, I thankfully did a tour. So it felt like it was a Ontario tour. So, ooh, yeah, crazy Ontario tour. But we hit up a bunch of cities, like, you know, towns or whatever in Ontario. And uh, they paid for our travel. And keep in mind, I was a recent graduate. So this was, like, a big deal. Like, I was yeah. felt like royalty. I was like, what? You're going to pay for my hotel room? Stop it. You're going to give me a per diem where I get to eat food that you're giving me money for? Let's go. Like, I was just jazzed but the shows themselves some of the shows were because it was we were performing at certain theaters um and they were for schools uh so the school performances were at 9 a.m so we were getting up at like 6 a.m and sometimes driving to these random little towns uh <laughs> and then I was the um, I was what, what is that called? Oh my god, I don't know how to think. What's that rule called where if someone gets sick, you have to jump in on all of the parts? Uh, oh, understudy. Uh, understudy, yeah. Yes, I was the understudy for two of the major roles, and then when in which I didn't, I wasn't needed to jump in and do those roles. I was front of house managing uh, and getting the kids pumped up for the show. Oh, the and, toughest uh, job of all. <laughs> it was brutal. Because kids are so mean. Yeah. Like, they're and it's really 9 a.m. Like, some of them didn't eat <laughs> breakfast and their blood sugar's crashing. Other of them ate pure sugar for breakfast and they're like going apes. Like they're all, they're not even normalized for the morning yet. The teachers, their no, coffee hasn't not. kicked in yet. The teachers don't give a shit. They're like, cool, you're here. I mean, I get to ease into this morning. No, it's so true. And uh, they just got off a school bus, which is very exciting. And then if I look tired or if I don't, if I didn't, if I, whatever, I have something on my face, a pimple perhaps, they love pointing that out. So that was always a really nice thing uh, as they entered any theater was for them to be like, why do you look like that? I'm like, I do. Like, I don't know. Why are you this way? And then. I remember um, it was in the, some of the shows we had done uh, were in the winter and I didn't realize how many nosebleeds children get because of the dry weather, the amount of children <laughs> that had to leave the theater because they were actively bleeding was insane. 
just wigged out unfocused children and then all of a sudden just gushes of blood and you're like who's ready for the show and then so often in schools too it's like also the show is going to subtly teach you about weather patterns and they're like (laughs) and they call they call your bullshit immediately right Oh, it's the best. It's so great. They And then the booing, like sometimes they boo oh, me yeah. for no reason. I was like, why? <laughs> I didn't say anything yet. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. amazing. It, it was fun, though. And I got to tour with a, a good friend of mine, so we both got to be there together. And then we would go out. Like We would do usually a 9 a.m. show, a noon show, sometimes a 3 o'clock show. And then we would wherever city we were in, we'd go to a bar, go to a restaurant. And then we would sometimes drink depending on where we were and then we would get up at 6 a.m the next day and mm-hmm. i'd be hung over it's a real uh, it was fun some kids snarfing up blood from his nose screaming <laughs> for help while you're like all right everybody <laughs> let's kid. go that put your hands kid. together yeah but it's one of those things it too fun. that's one of those things it's hard to explain, and maybe it is because I'm like in this phase where at least for now I'm letting go and I see myself in it, but it's like, man, I remember my versions of that in comedy, those hell gigs in the early days where you're like, I cannot believe that I didn't lose <laughs> money. This is amazing. I broke yeah. even. I remember that, and it's like, man... I am so happy I never have to return to that again. And also, (laughs) I'm so bummed that I didn't realize that in some ways that was going to be the most pure and most fun and most exciting my career in the arts ever was. More than hosting a TV show, more than having a special on HBO, more than publishing books, like some of the stuff I think back on that I go, you know what I miss the most is like doing some gig that just absolutely crushed my self-esteem. But the other two or three people that were there with me, we instantly went to a bar and started hilariously laughing about how awful it was. Yeah. I realized back then that that's that's also kind of the golden age of my life and nobody told me. It's such a good point. That's such a good point. Like when you're in it, right? I, I don't know if you felt this way, but you're always looking for the next thing, the next yeah. thing. Okay, well, this is leading me where? Where is this leading me? Where am I going now? I got to get better, bigger, bigger, whatever. My words are hard. I'm so tired. Um, and then, but you're so right. And looking back, I'm like, that was so silly. And it was so fun. And I had no worries. I shouldn't have had any worries, right? Like, I think there's a, a, a quote from the office that Andy says where he's like, I wish we knew it was the good old days before we're out of the good old days or whatever. And, you know, I think we're, there's different like phases of our lives that we go through that become the new good old days. But man, those like you describing, like it it was, it was such a fun hustle and so silly and dumb. And we could just make so many mistakes in the best way and learn. It was, it's harder to make mistakes. I mean, we will, but there's more pressure now to make, these kinds of mistakes, I guess. Yeah. 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 But it's fun. 
<laughs> I also know too. I feel like we, if I remember right, when we were at Comedy Bar, I do think I told Mike. Carson Pinch story, and I bet you know Carson Pinch. Do you know Carson Pinch? I sure do. Did I tell that story on stage that night? Yes, you did. Where you guys went to the aquarium with his family. You know, he's told me that story actually. It was the. It was honestly, in a lifetime of feeling shame and humiliation, <laughs> I can tell you it was. <laughs> it was honestly one of the most. <laughs> one of the most humiliating stretches I've ever had. Just hours. Because also one of those things where you're like, oh, I'm feeling that feeling of humiliation. And it's, it's, I know how long we are here for. So I, the, Maya, Maya, because we have three minutes to go. Do you mind? So mm-hmm. Carson Pinch is a, he's a comedian, sketch guy, Canadian, great, great guy, like super nice guy. Used to call my old public access show. We had a mutual friend named Griffin Newman, who's now one of the people in the Blank Check podcast for all the podcast fans. They knew each other growing up. Griffin got him into my stuff. He used to call my show. We thought it was insane. Anyone was calling us from Canada when we were on public access in New York. So got to know him. And at that point, my career was still so small that I had just started going on the road. And sometimes I'd go on the road. People would be reach out and be like, hey, like, I like your stuff, and what are you doing while you're in town? And I'd be like, nothing. I don't know anybody in Toronto. Let's hang out. Like I remember once missing. I was in Austin, Texas on a Wednesday night, and my friend Shannon was co- was hosting my public access show in my stead. And so this guy, Kevin Feldman, reached out and was like, me and my friends watch your show every week. Where are you watching it? I was like, oh, I don't know. He's like, come over. So I went and watched my own public access show with a different host with a bunch of guys. And that felt safe back then. It doesn't feel safe anymore. Aww. As like a father and as somebody who at a certain point, uh, it, unfortunately, I've had some incidents where it doesn't feel safe. But Carson invited mm. me to hang out in Toronto. And he said he was going to the aquarium with his family. And I was like, I love <laughs> aquariums. Yeah, let's do it. That's so nice of you. And I don't think he and I, I think he had maybe come to the studio. I think we'd met in person in New York a couple of times. And it was his birthday, and we were going to it was we we're going to the aquarium, and then a Toronto Blue Jays game. I entered the aquarium, and and I saw in the gift shop that they had these shark toys that were like shark mouths on a grabber stick. And my wife happens <laughs> to love sharks, and we had just started dating. And I was like, man, she'd love that. And then because I'm an anxious train wreck, I was like, what if they sell out of these shark things? I better buy one now. And it was a shark head mounted on like a three foot long stick with a little thing that you could pull like a trigger and make the mouth close. So Carson, I thought, I thought like it was his birthday party. It turned out all his friends were coming to the baseball game, but it was just his family at the, at the aquarium. So this shark toy didn't fit in the bag. It was too long. So he showed up and it was like his sister and his mom and dad and his sister's husband and kids and me. And they were all like, why did you go to the gift shop first? And I was like, "Uh, what if they sell out of the sharks? Like I didn't even explain it well. And then I got so uncomfortable and felt so dumb that I kind of just didn't speak. And we just walked around with his family for hours in this aquarium. And the whole time I was like, in my head, like, I think I'm being weird 
and I know I'm being weird <laughs> and I'm doing nothing to fix how weird I'm being. And now I'm just kind of like a guy, like a grown up off in the corner holding a shark toy, looking at jellyfish in silence, not talking to this guy who invited me here or any of his family who are all progressively more and more throughout the day wondering why I am a part of this. And the sad part is all of you listening might be like, Chris, you're overthinking that. Carson has verified that his family was like, no, it was very strange. It was very strange to have him there and his behavior was strange. And we were all kind of quietly whispering about why did Carson invite this man? And then we went to a baseball game, which, as you all know, is just the longest of sports. Oh, God. Just the longest yep. of sports. And it didn't get any you better. You have to talk during a baseball game, too. I like, you have to. In silence with a shark grabber. <laughs> Like an American weirdo <laughs> from a different country, and it was so shameful. And our time is up. So I ended funny. our t- I ended our time together ranting about myself. I do apologize for that. No, good, good. It was such a funny story, and I know Carson. And honestly, it's so funny. It's like he brought his his special friend on a date, and I love that. <laughs> you could ask him though. To this day, if you any of you are ever in Toronto and you happen to catch a show that Carson pinches in, you can ask him, and he'll tell you. He'll be like, "It's not as bad as Chris says, but it wasn't good." Like, this is not one of those things I do where it's like, well, Gethard's in his own head and that's not the reality. He'll be like, it felt worse for him, but he's not lying. Like, it was was legit painful for hours, nonstop. Anyway, I am so happy we got to talk. We talked about some painful things, some hopeful things, the past, the future, the present. Congrats on the little one. Congrats on the new career. Thank you for filling me in on children's theater and how often nosebleeds are a factor. This was lovely. Thank you. Thank you. I had a really good time. I appreciate it. And are you down to stay on the line and do five random follow-up questions so we can get to know you even better? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much to everybody who's listened on the free feed. And so excited to hang out for a few more minutes with my new mom in Canada friend, and get to know you a a little bit better. Thanks so much. Thank you. Caller, I can't thank you enough. It's really amazing that you have any time in your day to take and talk with me, considering the massive amount of moving parts that are swirling around you at all times. So love to you, love to the baby, and I'm so happy we got to talk about all the different topics we talked about thanks to our producer the high priestess of beautiful anonymous andrea quinn thank you to shell shag for the theme music shell shag is an integral part of this show and i hope that you support them and go out and listen to all their stuff if you want to know more about me chrisgeth.com if you want to know more about the nonprofit that i'm building laughingtogether.org if you want to get your story on the show you can always follow us Uh, i put it up on my twitter Put it up on our Instagram, which is Beautiful Anonymous Pod. Put it up on the Facebook group, Beautiful Anonymous the Community. Those are the places to look for it when it goes out randomly. If you're someone who goes, it seems like you tape at times that aren't good for me. Or you go, my voice is not being represented on the show. This show is a platform for everybody. The voicemail is 973-306-4676. You can call that number and tell us who you are, what your story is, why you want it on the show. We will listen to them. Andrea will be in touch. Simple as that. 
Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Leave us in a review. Tell your friends about us. These things help. Thank you so much.